As we do approach God's word, I do ask that you would turn with me into Psalm 119. Today we are looking at verses 81 through 88, the, uh, the 11th section. We're be ha- we'll be halfway through after today, uh, halfway through Psalm 119. But our, our passage today begins in verse 81 of this psalm. This is God's word. My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Though I am like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? The arrogant dig pitfalls for me contrary to your law. All your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for men persecute me without cause. They almost wiped me from the earth, but I have not forgotten your precepts. Preserve my life according to your love, and I will obey the statutes of your mouth. Let us pray. Great God, holy God, thank you for this word and for the Holy Spirit who helps us understand the word that you have given. In this passage, we ask that you would lead us to the sure hope that you answer those who are in trouble and you give help from your sanctuary. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Fellowship of the Ring, the character Gandalf is trying to convince Bilbo to let go of a burden that he has been carrying for close to 50 years. This burden, which is a ring of power from an earlier age, has unnaturally extended Bilbo's life, but it has also tired him out. It has wearied him. As Gandalf is reasoning with him, Bilbo describes his state in these words. He says, I am old, Gandalf. I know I don't look it, but I'm beginning to feel it in my heart. I feel thin, sort of stretched like butter scraped over too much bread. I need a holiday a very long holiday, and I don't expect I shall return. Well, I don't think any of us in this room will be tasked with carrying a magic ring for 50 years. All of us can relate to the feeling, I feel like butter scraped over too much bread. Suffering and affliction come to the people of God, and sometimes suffering and affliction seem to stay for longer than we can bear longer than we can deal with. Our psalmist has been praying about the affliction that he endures at the hands of the wicked, at the hands of those who seek to persecute him. And in that affliction, he finds comfort and peace in the promises of God. Finding comfort and peace in the promises of God is typically easy when affliction first hits. Think of Job at the beginning of his affliction. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Praise be to the Lord. But after a time, after a period of time, suffering begins to wear us down. And we are tempted to allow our trust in the promises of God to wane as God seemingly refuses to act in spite of our bold and persistent prayers. 
Our psalmist deals with this reality in the passage we are studying today. As he contemplates the question, how long, O Lord, do I have to suffer? He finds the answer once again in the word of God. As we look at the persecutor's path, as we look at the psalmist's cry for hope at the end of his rope, the psalmist teaches you and I that God's word is hope for the hopeless. Verses 88, 85 through 88 describe for us the path that the persecutor has chosen and is taking. The persecutor brings affliction, brings suffering on the psalmist in, a, in an attempt to force the psalmist to compromise his allegiance to God and his hope in the promises of God. In verse 87, we see that the persecutor has come close to wiping out the psalmist. They almost wiped me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your laws. The schemes and the traps of the wicked have come close to taking away the life and the resolve of the psalmist as he is born under their affliction for a long time. The psalmist describes the schemes of the wicked as pitfalls. Pitfalls are holes dug in the forest and then covered over with leaves designed to trap and injure and maim animals. In the metaphorical poetic sense that we look at them here, they are temptations that are meant to skewer the faith of those who fall into the traps of the wicked. The traps are described by the psalmist as being without cause. It, the psalmist has done nothing to deserve them and they are described as contrary to God's laws. In this psalm, the psalmist has spoken frequently of the schemes that the wicked have sought to perpetrate against him. Why are the wicked so determined to destroy the psalmist with their schemes? Because they have chosen a certain path and they don't like to be reminded that it is the, the wrong path. In the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, which parts of Psalm 119 fall into, in the wisdom literature, life is described oftentimes as a path. Think of Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways or paths, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. In Psalm 119 verses 1 through 8 and in other parts of the psalm, the psalmist declares that those who direct their walk according to God's paths or God's laws will find blessing from God. God has ordained a path for humanity to walk, a path that is bordered by his law and guided by his lamp. The wicked, however, choose to walk their own path. They disregard God's law, or at least the parts of God's law that inconvenience them, and they define their own path according to their own wants, their own desires. No law but what I want. They are confronted by their choice to abandon God's path whenever they see the righteous dedicated to obeying God's word. Whenever they hear the proclamation of God's good news of salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the wicked do not want reminders that their wickedness is leading them to judgment. And so they choose to destroy the righteous 
by tempting them to follow the path of destruction. Think about our culture today. We've moved from legitimizing certain lifestyles to a call for tolerance of those those lifestyles to an outright reputational destruction of anyone who refuses to celebrate those lifestyles. All meant to tempt the, the righteous away from the path of God's holiness and onto the path of destruction. Psalm 119 teaches you and I that it is those who seek to walk humbly with their Lord that will face the schemes and the snares of the wicked. The wicked walk their own path and any word or person that reminds them that their path is the wrong path is met with the fullness of their anger and hatred. Whatever it takes to destroy the righteous and remove all reminders of God's ways, that is what the wicked will pursue. And in the context of this persecution, the psalmist cries out to God twice in this psalm. The the first time in verse 86, we'll look at in a few moments. The second cry to God is in verse 88, where he says, preserve my life according to your love, and I will obey the statutes of your mouth. This is not the psalmist bargaining with God. Lord, if you take away my problems, I'll serve you better. This is the psalmist saying, God, you have given me life. Sustain my life so that I can continue to obey you. Strengthen me in the face of persecution so that I will not stumble, so that I will not fall. How do we persevere under persecution? You and I rely on God's strength and God's strength alone, which sustains us in the midst of persecution. What was that cry in the garden from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Lord, take this cup from me, but not what I want, what you want. May that be done. Not my will, but your will be done. What have you revealed to me? Strengthen me to walk the path that you have given to me. As you and I reach out to God in prayer, he revives and strengthens you to persevere in obedience, even in the face of of long-term affliction. As the wicked pursue a path of persecution, the righteous cry out to God for life and for strength as they struggle. And so while the persecutors have pursued a path, the psalmist pursues hope at the end of his rope. We get a sense that the psalmist has struggled long-term as we read verse 84. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? This this prayer to God is echoed for us in Revelation chapter 6. As the seal is opened and and John sees the scene before the throne room of God, those saints who have died in trust and obedience to God are saying, how much longer must we wait for the vindication of your people? The psalmist is praying that here. He says, I have suffered a long time. How much longer do I have to wait for your rescue? How much longer do I have to wait for you to fulfill your promise to judge the wicked? This is not a complaint about God. This is a complaint to God. This is the psalmist coming to God and saying, God, I know your promises. I rest in your promises. And it hurts to bear up underneath 
this load of persecution that you have ordained to come my way, when will the promised relief come? I I say this points to a long-term suffering because this isn't typically a prayer that you pray at the beginning of your struggle. At the beginning of a struggle, you echo Job's prayer. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Praise be the Lord. As you bear up under difficulty and struggle, your prayer turns to Job's prayer nearer the end of the book. Give me my time before God and let me bring him to account. Of course, God corrects that prayer. He turns that prayer more into a prayer like the psalmist has for us here. How long must your servant suffer? I rest in your promises. But we see the difficulty that the psalmist faces as he describes himself in verses 81 through 84. He begins by saying, my soul faints. It's the same word as fail in the very next verse. He says, my soul fails with longing for your salvation. Have you ever been physically exhausted? Have you ever struggled and suffered so long that you are spiritually exhausted as well? Your soul just struggles to to, to even put hope or faith or trust in God. You have wearied yourself praying boldly, going to God's word, seeking hope and faith in his promises, and your soul just hurts with longing for God to answer. It's the picture that the psalmist gives us in verse 81. He says, my soul faints with longing for your salvation. My soul is tired waiting for you to arrive. He goes on to a little bit more physical aspect of it. He says, my eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? You ever taken a tour to a cavern? Uh, Whether it's uh, Lost World Caverns or Oregon Cave to the south of us. Some of those cavern tours that you take, they'll take you deep into the cave and then they'll turn the lights off on you. And it is utterly pitch black. Can't you feel your eyes just striving with all of their strength to find the tiniest speck of light in the midst of that darkness? The psalmist says, in the darkness of my suffering, I have spent my eyes looking for your promise. When will you comfort me? And then expanding on the physical aspects of the exhaustion that he feels, he says, though I am like a wineskin in the smoke. Wine during that time, most of your liquids during that time were carried in animal skins. And so if you left those animal skins exposed to smoke and to heat, what happens to animal skins if you leave them exposed to smoke and to heat? They crack, they dry out, they become brittle. Somebody asked me one time, why don't I dye the hair of my beard? I mean, it's turning gray. Don't you want to look younger? I have earned every single one of these gray hairs. And some people need to be reminded. No, just kidding. In all seriousness, though, as we suffer under the afflictions of this world, 
It shows in our countenance. It shows in our hair. It shows on our face. It shows in the frailty that overcomes us when we suffer for a long time. The psalmist wants hope and rescue because his body is worn out. His eyes are worn out. His soul is worn out from suffering the afflictions that have come upon him because of the wicked. But notice what is not worn out. It's close to being worn out, but not completely worn out. And that is his faithfulness and his trust in the promises of God. My soul faints, but I have put my hope in your word. I am like the though I am like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. And his hope shows in the faithfulness and the trust that he has in God's word. Why so much trust in God's word? Because it reveals God's promises to him. What does God promise to those who come to him in hope and in trust, who pray to him in the midst of their suffering? He promises peace. He promises relief. And the psalmist says, Lord, you've you've given me salvation before. I know you will give salvation again. You have promised relief for those who suffer I know that you will bring relief. You have promised judgment on those who persecute the weak and the righteous. And so I wait for your relief from my persecutors according to your promise. He hopes and continues to hope even in the midst of affliction. He pursues obedience and faithfulness to God's truth even in the midst of the temptations that the arrogant bring upon him. But notice, not only is he faithful, not only does he continue to hope, he continues to pray. Look at verse 86. All of your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for men persecute me without cause. While the words are not different, I do appreciate the translations that put the exclamation point after the two words, help Me, this is a cry of desperation. This is a cry of utter dependence upon God. All he can squeeze out of his lungs is the words, help me. My soul is weary. My eyes are weary. My body is weary. I trust in you. Help me. We're told in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit takes that cry, that cry of utter dependence, that cry of utter desperation, and He brings it before God's throne as a glorious prayer. In a deep and painful honesty, a deep and painful honesty, I will say that that you and I oftentimes are not comfortable carrying to God. But in a deep and painful honesty, the psalmist brings his needs to God in prayer. He puts his suffering, his pain on full display before God. He holds nothing back when he comes to God with this with this complaint. Do you hold back? Many times we feel like 
If we're going to bring a problem to God, we got to get it most of the way fixed before we can carry it to God. We got to get the tears wiped away and our face washed so that God doesn't know that we're suffering. We're good Christians who don't let their suffering show on their face. The psalmist reminds us that that is not the way to go to God. We go to God in utter dependence and in desperation, putting our pain, our suffering on full display before him and crying out, help me, rescue me. In times of extreme suffering, hope, obedience, and honest, dependent prayer should mark the life of the Christian. We've seen the path that the persecutors choose. We see the hope that God offers to those who are at the end of their rope. Bilbo Baggins wasn't the only one who felt like butter scraped over too much bread. The author of Psalm 88 gives us some of the most desperate words in the scripture. He says, O Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you and turn your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of trouble. My life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, O Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you ever show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you, O Lord, in the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? Here's where we get the clue that he has suffered under chronic illness from my youth. I have been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered your terrors and, in, and am in despair your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. And that's where the psalmist ends his prayer to God. In the depths of despair, wondering why God has not come to rescue him. But the truth, and I, the truth is, you and I are not utterly abandoned by God to the grave. I will never leave you nor forsake you, he says. Nothing on heaven above or on earth below can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Only one was forsaken so that we might have salvation, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
And we have his example as well of the honesty that he went before God with. Seeking God's rescue. Seeking God's hope. And so we do worship and pray to a God who hears and who answers. Even in the darkest of days. How do you and I cultivate this honesty and utter dependence that our psalmist calls us to today? We cultivate this honesty and dependence in our everyday walk with God, especially when we are not suffering. The psalmist takes great hope in the promises of God. How many more promises do we have revealed to us in the scriptures than he had? We should know them. We should internalize them. We should meditate and chew on them day in and day out, especially when things are good. So that those promises become woven into our heart. And so that in the darkness of suffering, we have nowhere to go but to those promises. And in our prayers, we should be honest with God about how we are feeling even on the good days. God, I am feeling joyful and happy today because my friend got a good diagnosis. God, I'm just a little bit nervous today because I've got to give a presentation in class. God, you know that I'm, I'm a little bit stressed. It's just a little bit, not much, but you know, I've overextended myself a little bit and I need your help to help me get out of that. We cultivate hope and honest prayer by seeking those things every day. The psalmist began our psalm with a glorious declaration of his delight in and meditation on God's word. Focusing on God's good promises and making them our heartbeat on a daily basis provides the foundation for us to rest in them when suffering lasts beyond our own ability to bear. Suffering should lead us to a greater rest in God's promises and a growing dependence upon him. Let us pray. God and Father, we do thank you for these words of the psalmist that remind us that you want our honest feelings. You want our utter dependence upon you. God, help us to develop that dependence. Help us to develop that honesty with you in our prayers. And help us to rest faithfully in your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you go this week, take this blessing upon you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.